Do you ever have times when God seems distant to you? God seems far off. You haven't stopped believing in him, but you've lost a sense of the reality of him. Maybe you hear preaching or you read the Bible and what you're told about God just seems like words. Maybe you still believe those words, but they don't seem to connect with your life. If that's you, I want to give you help today. If that's not you, I want today to try to prepare you for when such times come, because they do to most Christians, if not all Christians. If that doesn't mean anything to you, because you don't care if God seems distant or not, you just don't care. It's a non-issue to you. I want to persuade you that you should care. Now, we're going to get this from Psalm 42 and 43. So if you've got a Bible, uh, could you turn to the middle of your Bible? If you open it in the middle, you'll almost certainly be in Psalms and Psalm 42. We're going to treat Psalm 42 and 43 as one psalm because they possibly were originally one psalm. Uh, I won't go into reasons for believing that, but some of them might be obvious to you, like a chorus that comes up across both psalms and the lack of heading for Psalm 43 when all the psalms around it have headings. We're going to treat it as one. Now, I've said I want to help you today, and I purposely said today Because what I want us to do is get the major lessons of this psalm this morning and then get some more detail this evening. Uh, We have an evening service and it's not just some sort of extra for the super keen. It is us as a church meeting again to worship God. So if you're part of this church, or even if you're not, come along and worship together with us and hear the details from the psalm, having got the major items this morning. This morning is going to be about desiring God, distant God, and dependable God. So let's begin with desiring God. Verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Now, children, I didn't know what the children's talk was going to be and how this matches up. Because I was intending to ask you, are you ever thirsty? Children, do you know what it means to be thirsty? What does that mean, thirsty? Well, it means you've got a desire for a drink. And it's coming from right inside you. Maybe you're feeling it in your stomach. Maybe you're feeling really hot and dry. It's desire for a drink coming from inside you. Now, the person who wrote this psalm, from now on I'll call him the psalmist, he felt like that, but not for drink. What was he thirsty for? Children, look in verse 2, and he says it three times. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? That word there where it says meet with God is, by the way, the face of God. He wants personal interaction with God. The psalmist has this deep desire, like thirst, for God himself. Why? Why did he desire God? What is desirable about God? Maybe you need persuading that God is desirable. Well, we need to do that before we get into Psalm 42. So let's do that for a moment, because the answer to why we should desire God isn't in Psalm 42. 
It's in what the Bible tells us about who God is. Massive subject, let me just pick one or two things. Um, Let's get an example from another psalm. Psalm 63 says about God, your loving kindness is better than life. Big claim. God's loving kindness is better than life. Can that be true? Well, let's think about God. He is the creator of everything. Once there was nothing, nothing at all except God. So everything has come from him. Why is there the colour red? Some people are wearing red here. Why is there such a colour as red? God thought of it. Why is there the sun? Think of the sun. Here's an amazing fact. I was amazed by this. I couldn't believe it at first. If you put together all the stuff in the solar system, the sun and planet Earth with all its mountains and its seas and its animals and Jupiter and Mars and all the planets and all the moons and all the asteroids and you put together all the stuff in the solar system, over 98% of it would be the sun. Wow, it's massive. Where did it come from? All that mass and heat and power came from God. It wasn't there until he spoke it out of nothing. What about music? What is music? What is music? Oh, it's vibrations in the air. Well, it's more than that, isn't it? It's these sounds that make you feel something. Who invented such a thing? God. Everything has come from him. Well, now, now you thought about that, think of something you desire. Go on, think of something you desire. You're not going to have to tell anyone, so think of anything you desire. Right, you got something in your mind? Now, that something will be something God made. Or it will come from something God made. Or if you're thinking to yourself, I'm tricking you because I'm thinking of a sin I desire. Well, even sin is a twisted desire that's got to involve something that God has made. God made it all. So, of course, the mind that invented all this, the power that produced all this, the person who is the source of all love and emotion and personality, Of course he can satisfy us more than anything he made. Of course he's more desirable than anything else. It's just logical, isn't it? Makes sense. You can't argue against that. But isn't it true that quite often we don't feel that? Other things seem a lot more real and desirable than him. So I hope I hope I've persuaded you he is desirable, but sometimes he doesn't seem that way to us. So we must move on secondly to distant God. We're going to spend most of our time in this section. Distant God. Let's move back into verse one. Verse one. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Now, children, imagine you've been running around Queen's Park or you've been bouncing on a trampoline and it's a nice day, like today's quite nice, isn't it? And afterwards, you realise you're thirsty. After you've been bouncing around on your trampoline or running around the park, you realise you're pretty thirsty. And you didn't realise it before because you were distracted. Just enjoying yourself. Deer are not like that. 
Fear, I don't just mean they don't bounce on trampolines. They don't get distracted. They're always on the lookout. They've got this instinct in them, and they're always on the lookout against danger and for food and for drink. So when in verse 1 there's a deer panting after water, something has gone wrong. The deer maybe has gone down to his usual stream and found it's dried up. Maybe there's a drought. Or maybe he's been chased by a predator or a hunter and he hasn't been able to get to the water. Whatever it is, the deer is in trouble. And this psalm is about trouble. God is distant. And the psalmist is troubled. The truth of God doesn't resonate with him. It seems like just words and the psalmist is troubled. He's lost a grip on the reality of God and he's troubled. Why might this happen? We need to spend quite a while considering why such a thing might happen. First of all, let me speak to you if you're not a Christian. God seems distant to you because he is keeping his distance from you. There is a very real objective reason why God seems distant if you're not a Christian. He's keeping his distance from you. Why is that? There's a verse later in the Bible, it's called, uh, the place is called Isaiah 59, where it says, your sins have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. It's not that he's not there, but he's turned his face away because of your sin, because he's repulsed by your rebellious disobedience. If you stay like that, There is a day coming when God will come close to you, but it won't be good news, because he'll be coming to punish your sin. But I said if you stay like that, you see, you don't need to stay like that. You don't have to stay like that. Put it this way. Why was the Bible written? Think about that. This is a big book God calls to be written. Why did he bother? What was the reason? The main reason the Bible was written was to persuade people, including you, that God is more desirable than your sin. And when you're persuaded of that, he is ready to welcome you with open arms and to be close to you. Now, let me speak to my fellow Christians. Why does God sometimes seem distant to you? Is that because of sin? Well, yes, sometimes. Sometimes. So we could uh, turn forward a few pages to Psalm 51, and there's David, and he is a true child of God, but he sinned, and for the moment, he is refusing to admit it and turn from it, and he's feeling, well, he doesn't feel the joy of God with him. It's gone. Ah, you say, that's just Old Testament. No, it's not. New Testament. 1 John 1. You can't claim to walk in the light with God while you're sinning because that's walking in darkness. When we're persisting in sin, God does not throw us out of the family. He does not stop being our loving father. But you can't expect to sense the closeness of God as your father if you've got your back turned on him, which is what you're doing when you're persisting in sin. So why does God seem distant? Sometimes because of sin. 
But have a look at Psalm 42. Just quickly scan down it. What mention of sin is here? How much sin do you spot coming up in Psalm 42? The answer is, there is no mention of sin. Sin is not the issue here. Which is quite striking when the Psalms are very honest about sin, very ready to admit it. But none is mentioned here. The psalmist is in trouble. He's in a spiritual drought. But it's not due to sin. What's going on? Well, what I want to do now is spend a little while going through the psalm to get some clues. Things that can cause spiritual drought. Things that can make God seem distant to us that are not sin. Here's the first. Being separated from God's people. Verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Children, have you done about tenses at school? Which tense is verse 4 in? It's past tense. I used to go. I used to go and worship together with God's people. But what's happening now? Verse 6 is the clue. Verse 6, he's on Mount Hermon. And I don't know if this is shown up in most maps in the backs of Bibles. I haven't looked to see. But Mount Hermon is right up in the north of the country, well away from the temple and God's people worshipping. For some reason, he's away from it all. And this is causing him trouble. How do you seek God? What's the way to seek God? Get away on your own? Go on a retreat? Just get away from people so you can have some peace and quiet and you can focus your mind. Is that how you worship? Is that how to seek God? Well, it can be helpful. But it isn't the prime way the Bible recommends. The prime way the Bible says is, get with other Christians. Gather together as the church. After all, the Bible calls the church the house of God. If you want to meet someone, what's the obvious thing to do? Go to their house. So get to God's house. It's not this building, it's God's people gathered together. By the way, some of you might be having a little sneaky feeling. Here I am, first Sunday back, after a sabbatical that was about seeking God. What did I do? I went and left for two months to seek God. But I was aware of this problem. And so we as a family got involved with North Church Leicester because we needed the church if we're to seek God. This is so relevant to us over this past year and a half. Covid and restrictions have disrupted the life of the church. And, and it's made our togetherness more difficult, and for some more than others. Don't be surprised if that makes God seem somewhat distant to you. COVID's disrupted things, but prioritise being together as God's people, worshipping together, fellowshipping together as his church. Here's a second clue. What's going on? He's troubled by the events of life. Verse 9, Verse nine. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Something's happened to him that's hard to take. Now, 
we're not told what it was. We haven't got a clue what's going on in his life, but we know something's happened that is really hard to take. And it's making him ask, God, why have you forgotten me? God, where are you in this? What are you doing? I don't understand it. Where are you, God? Sometimes in our troubles, God seems distant because we cannot see what he is doing or how there could be any good in it. Here's a third clue. Hearing the world's message. You see, the psalmist has been asking where is God, but he's also hearing other people throw that thought at him. Verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? Or verse 10. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? The world is always throwing at us, where is your God? He's either not real or he's not relevant. Where is your God? That's the message we're getting all the time. And, and we're so used to God being pushed out of things, we probably don't even notice it. Put the news on the TV. How much mention of God? There's a report on Afghanistan. Do you expect God to be mentioned? No, of course not. Is God relevant to Afghanistan? Of course he is. You put on the 10 o'clock news. Do you expect to hear about the spread of the gospel in China? No, you don't. Is it unimportant? The reason the world is still going round is so the gospel should be spread worldwide. The world is always telling you, where is your God? He's either not real or he's not relevant. Now the answer isn't, don't listen to the news, never find out what unbelievers are saying, but it is, take care what you feed your mind on. If the main diet your mind is receiving is the world's message, it isn't surprising if God starts to seem distant. Here's a fourth clue. His physical condition. This might be a little surprising one. His physical condition. Interestingly, it took a doctor, uh, a preacher who was a medical doctor to spot this one. Verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. Now, children, what food do you like? What are you hoping for for Sunday dinner? If you go home and for Sunday dinner you're passed, here's a mug full of tears. That's your dinner. You're going to be happy with a mug full of tears? He says that's his food. What's going on? He is crying instead of eating. He's so down, he's off his food. But he says more than that, children, do you cry in your sleep? No, I don't think you do. You might cry before you go to sleep, but you don't cry in your sleep. You're either crying or sleeping. You can't do both at once. But the psalmist says at the night time he's crying. In other words, he's not sleeping. Oh, now some of you might recognise this. He's off his food and he's having trouble sleeping. What's that? Two classical symptoms of clinical depression. There's something physical going on here. The Bible, you see, recognises we are complete persons. Of course it does. It's written by the Creator who made us like that. And how we are physically and mentally can affect how we feel spiritually. 
Now, what am I trying to do here? I'm trying to show you God's seeming distance isn't always due to sin. It is sometimes, but not always. There can be a whole load of reasons. So let's not jump to simple conclusions. You see, in our society, if something goes wrong, what do we always do? Look for who's to blame. There's a petrol shortage. Who should be sacked from the government? Someone must be to blame. And we can be like that with our spiritual life. God seems distant. Well, are you doing your daily Bible reading? And are you praying each morning? And are you confessing your sins? And are you counting your blessings? If you were, you wouldn't have any problems. No, actually. It's not as simple as that. And the Bible recognises the complexities of our life instead of beating us over the head with simple answers. This evening I want us to find how the psalmist overcomes this problem, what he does about it. For now, let's leave that process till this evening and look at the fundamental truths we must keep hold of, the foundations we must keep our feet on. So lastly and much more briefly, dependable God. We've had desiring God and distant God, now dependable God. When we hit spiritual drought and God seems distant, the temptation can be to give in to the world's messages, where is your God, and to think, well, he's abandoned me. He's either not real or he's not relevant. He's just distant. But the psalmist doesn't give in. Instead, he speaks to himself. And three times he tells himself to do something. Can you see it in verse 5? And again in verse 11, and again at the very end, in other words, 43 verse 5. There's a sort of chorus here, or a refrain. And he tells himself, Put your hope in God. And again, put your hope in God. And right to end with, come on, put your hope in God. Hope looks ahead and he says to himself, don't give up. God will come through. He is dependable. I can hope in him. Now, why why does he think God is dependable? What reason is there to think God will come through, I can put my hope in him? What makes this better than just the power of positive thinking? It's just a bit of positive thinking to pull his socks up. Well, have a look at what the psalmist asks God to do in chapter 43, verse 3. There's a prayer here. What does he ask God to do? 43, verse 3. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain to the place where you dwell. Now, he was writing that hundreds of years BC. We're in 2021 AD. As we look back at this from 2021 AD, has this prayer been answered? What has God sent? His son. He is the one sent forth into the world. He... Look again at verse 3. It's the light. He's the light of the world. He is the one sent forth and came and said, I am the truth. He is the one who does the second half of verse 3. 
Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. 1 Peter says, Christ died for sins once for all to bring us to God. Jesus is the answer to Psalm 43, verse 3's prayer. And he has been sent. The prayer has been answered. Jesus is the answer to this psalm. But Jesus is also the ultimate prayer of this psalm. The ultimate prayer, the one who prayed it. More than anyone else, as he died, as he died for our sins to bring us to God. Oh boy, did he thirst. He literally thirsted. He was parched as he hung there on that cross. But above all, he thirsted for God. And like this psalmist, he cried out with his questions to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? And his bones, verse 10, suffered mortal agony, physical trouble. And while all this was happening, his enemies taunted him. Where is your God? He trusted in God. Let God deliver him if he delights in him. He said, I'm the son of God. He experienced Psalm 42 at its worst. So you, Christian brother or sister, will never be abandoned. And so you can confidently say, verse 5, put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Desire God. I hope I've persuaded you. It is obvious when you think about it. He's more desirable than anything. Desire God. Sometimes that desire does stay unsatisfied for quite a while. God can seem distant. Come this evening and hear more about what to do about that. But even when that is your case, and you feel like you're in the spiritual drought, put your hope in God. Jesus is the demonstration and the guarantee. God is real. God is not distant. He does care. The one who made the universe sent forth his light and truth to bring you to him. And so you can say, why are you downcast, my soul? Why troubled within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God.